It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Monday, January 2nd. This is your first KVMR Evening News of 2023. The new year is a time for many to reflect on lifestyle changes. But after 27 years behind bars and 15 months in an immigration detention center, a lot is riding on Sal Prasad's 2023 resolutions. More details ahead on the California Report. Coming up, National Native News examines the largest dam removal project in the U.S., just north of us, along the California-Oregon border. We've got a look at the next bit of winter weather rolling through Northern California before we close with a commentary from KVMR News Director, Claudio Mendoza. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. After having a baby, new mothers often feel pressure to return to the pre-pregnancy lives and bodies. But as KPCC's Jackie Fortier reports from L.A., this pressure can take a toll on both mental and physical health during one of the most vulnerable periods of a person's life. Soon after Megan Gearhart gave birth in 2016, acquaintances were quick to congratulate her on her appearance. I looked really good postpartum, like my baby weight did not stick around. She may have looked like she'd snapped back, but physically and emotionally, she was suffering. During the birth, Gearhart, who lives in Pomona, experienced an obstetric fistula, a hole torn between her anus and vagina. Her rectal sphincter was also completely severed. As a result, she couldn't control her bowel movements. Inwardly, I feel gross and I smell all the time and I don't want to leave the house and I'm fairly ashamed. For insurance reasons, Gearhart had to wait for corrective surgery. She spent months raising a newborn while also struggling with incontinence. I cried a lot during those seven months. I was really happy to have this baby, but it was really, it was really hard to not feel normal. She didn't want to tell strangers about her condition, but felt pressured to hang out with other new moms. And none of the doctors who knew what she was going through asked about her mental health. I had this schism where I was outwardly, everything looks fine. And I have this baby that I've wanted for years, but inwardly, I'm really a mess. Scroll through Instagram and TikTok, and you'll see the immense pressure on postpartum women to look and act like pregnancy and birth never happened. It's known as snapback. The wellness being projected postpartum in this snapback framework, it's really about appearance. It's very much geared towards what you can post. That's Priya Batra. She's an OBGYN in L.A. She says the pressure to lose weight quickly can make birth injuries worse and healing harder. Both the strenuous exercise and the diet questions I get really are focused on quick weight loss um, and changes in the physical appearance. And they really don't align with the kind of nutrition you're looking for to support things like breastfeeding, to support things like healing after potentially a surgery. She emphasizes better support for services like home visiting programs and doulas. These great things that exist to support that role transition postpartum, because I think as a society, we ask you to snap back into every other piece of your life. The burden of returning to work, for example, coupled with comments from family or friends about a new mother's appearance, can be a toxic mix. 
a lot of it comes down to like this idea of shame, that if you're struggling, then it, it means that you're not doing it well enough. Angela Incalingo Rodriguez studies weight stigma both during and after pregnancy. She's an assistant professor at Worcester Polytechnic Institute. She's found it can cause concerning consequences. Things like increased risk for postpartum depression, less comfort, less intention to seek help with breastfeeding behavior. It was ironically related to more weight gain over the pregnancy and then more weight retention after having the baby. Cutting out social media is almost impossible, but dialing it back could help. We don't yet know what type of content is actually empowering, actually uplifting, actually supportive versus which types of content just perpetuate this cycle of creating unrealistic expectations and making you feel comparatively less. Turning away from social media helped Megan Gearhart. Instead of Instagram, she read Korean comics during late night feedings. She also limited her Google searches related to her fistula and surgery. That's going to calm me down a little bit and put me into more of a soothing state of mind than like a hyper state of mind. Six years after her corrective surgery, her condition has improved. She still has occasional leaks and carries a spare pair of underwear with her wherever she goes. I had a baby, I had a fistula, and I healed, and at the end of it, I was just a different person. Gearhart says speaking about her related depression and hearing from other women with fistulas would have helped, and to learn that over time her body would recover, it would just be different. For The California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles. For many of us, the new year means setting resolutions and goals for 2023. But for one immigrant who's now living in the Bay Area, it means rehabbing his life following a long stint in prison. The California Report's Keith Mizuguchi spoke with him about his continuing fight. Last month, we brought you the story of Sal Prasad, an immigrant from Fiji who grew up in the Central Valley. Prasad got into an argument outside a market in Modesto in 1994 and ended up shooting and killing another person. Yes, I made a horrible, horrible decision and choice. After he was convicted of second-degree murder, Prasad spent 27 years in prison. But he never gave up hope during that time. When I started seeing people go home that I never thought would go home, I was like, wait a minute. If they can get out, I can get out. And he did, last year after he was granted parole but he was immediately transferred to an Immigration and Customs Enforcement facility, where he was detained for more than 15 months. It was 15 months of pure hell. Pure hell. Prasad said unlike prison, where there's often a chance to rehabilitate yourself and possibly get paroled early, that's just not the case in ICE detention. But last month, he was finally granted bond and released from custody. It was really emotional. I was crying all the way back. All the way back. It's just... Unstoppable tears just pouring down. It, it was just a feeling of a sense of relief. Prasad has been able to visit family and friends and is currently in transitional housing in the Bay Area. But there's still that threat of possible deportation. So he and many of his supporters have asked for Governor Gavin Newsom to pardon him, which would end the threat of being shipped out of the country and back to Fiji. I'm going to work. I'm, I'm going to start work here in a couple of weeks. And I'm going to show him that, look, your decision isn't going to be in vain. We reached out to the governor's office and they said the issue of pardon applications is a private matter. They did say that the governor regards clemency as an important part of the criminal justice system and carefully reviews each application. For the California Report, I'm Keith Mizuguchi. 
Support for the California Report comes from Hint, fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories. In stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. Stanford HealthCare, alerting listeners to the critical blood shortage in the area. Now is the time to donate blood and make a difference. StanfordBloodCenter.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, which bets early on exceptional people making the world better. On the web at SchmidtFutures.com. And that's the California Report for Monday, January 2nd. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. After a decades-long battle, four dams along the Klamath River near the California-Oregon border will be removed in what many call a major step in restoring a once-thriving watershed. This will be the largest dam removal project in the United States and will return California's second-largest river to a free-flowing wild river for the first time in more than a century. Details ahead on National Native News. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. An initiative by the Wisconsin Department of Transportation is making an effort to honor Native American communities by having highway signs in both English and Native languages. WXPR's Katie Thorson has more. No matter where you go in the country or state, highway signs for places are fairly uniform. Giant green signs with big block letters in white mark the location, letting you know what town or city you're in. A new sign recently installed in Mole Lake prominently reads Sakagan Chippewa Community with the tribe's seal beside it. But different from the vast majority of similar signs you find across the country, this one includes the tribe's name in their own Ojibwe Moan language. Sagai Ganin. It's a, it's a, it's a spiritual uh, cultural light that was in the water. It was part of our part of our teachings and our migration stories and our teachings that that came about um, a long, long time ago. Sakagan Chippewa Community Chairman Robert Van Zyl was proud to unveil the new sign in a ceremony alongside community members and officials from federal and state transportation offices. It's very positive. It's heartwarming to see these dual language signs come to life. The Sakagan Chippewa community is the fourth tribe in Wisconsin to install a dual language sign. The Wisconsin Department of Transportation launched the initiative in 2021. Wisconsin DOT Secretary Craig Thompson would like to work with all of the tribes within the state to get these signs up. It's become um, uh, a priority to bring back uh, and preserve native languages. And so this was one way that we could help and participate in that. But it's also important for people in Wisconsin, people traveling through Wisconsin, to know our history, know when they're entering uh, these seven nations, and to see it in the initial language. So we, we think it's, it's important on all those fronts. And it is that sovereignty that Van Zyl hopes people will think of when they see that sign. Because when you have your language, your culture, and your identity, you have sovereignty. And so that's what we want to express to, to people. I'm Katie Thorson reporting. Tribal, state, and federal officials are celebrating plans for the removal of four dams along the Klamath River. It's a major step toward restoring a once-thriving watershed. Christina Honested reports. It was a decades-long battle, but soon removing four dams along the Klamath River will open up hundreds of miles of wild river habitat to salmon, a fish that's sacred to nearby Native American tribes. My dream is to not only bring the 
salmon back, but bring back a, a way of life. Karuk Chair Russ Atterbury was among the tribal, federal, and state leaders who gathered to celebrate the largest dam removal project in the country. Work begins next year, completion set for 2024, but Atterbury says more work will remain for decades to come. There are ways we can actually restore those creeks and streams that feed our rivers and, and, and enhance and, and we understand Mother Nature's way and uh, combine tribal ecological knowledge and the knowledge of observation from generation to generation uh, with modern science. That's, that's the best way to go. Removal of the dams will also return California's second largest river to a free-flowing wild river for the first time in more than a century. For National Native News, I'm Christina Onestead in California. The Red Lake Nation in Minnesota is preparing for its community wellness gathering after a two-year hiatus due to COVID-19. The gathering will kick off on January 9th at the Red Lake Nation College. The goal is for people seeking solutions and opportunities to improve their quality of life, to foster success, to overcome addictions, health issues, trauma, and grief. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support for law and justice-related programming provided by Hobbs, Strauss, Dean & Walker, a national law firm dedicated to promoting and defending tribal rights for nearly 40 years. More information available at HobbsStrauss.com. Support by Ramona Farms, offering wholesome and delicious foods from our heirloom crops as our contribution to a better diet for the benefit of all people. We are honored to share our centuries-old farming and culinary traditions online at RamonaFarms.com. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. Let's take a look at your local news. A major flood that overtook roads and trapped dozens of vehicles in high waters southeast of Sacramento has begun to recede, but some areas remain at risk, particularly as rain is forecast to return after a short reprieve. A breached levee and heavy rains caused the Consumnes River to flood, an area near the rural town of Wilton on Sunday, forcing officials to close a section of Highway 99 and prompting emergency responders to rescue dozens of people pulling them from the roofs of cars and from water. Officials say at least one motorist was found dead in their car, which had been completely submerged in water. The flooding prompted a shelter-in-place order for Wilton. The waters have receded around the town, allowing officials to reopen Highway 99 this morning. However, according to emergency responders, several local roads remain flooded. The Point Pleasant area in Sacramento County is still under an evacuation order due to imminent flooding. This reported by the Sacramento Bee. Officials at the Washoe County Sheriff's Office are investigating a New Year's Day snowplow accident that left Academy Award-nominated actor and Modesto native Jeremy Renner critically injured in the Lake Tahoe area. The episode occurred around 9 a.m. Sunday when dispatchers at the Sheriff's Office received a call reporting a traumatic injury near Mount Rose Highway in Reno, Nevada. Upon arriving at the scene, emergency crews airlifted Renner to a local hospital. Multiple agencies, including the Sheriff's Office, Truckee Meadows Fire Protection District, and the county's ambulance contractor, the Regional Emergency Medical Services Authority, 
coordinated to treat Renner, who was the only person involved in the snowplow incident. Officials from the sheriff's major accident investigations team are probing the circumstances that caused the accident, which the spokesperson attributed to inclement weather. This reported by the San Francisco Chronicle. According to Caltrans, traffic was stuck in both directions on Highway 50 in the Sierra this afternoon due to massive boulders blocking the roadway. Caltrans says traffic was holding in both directions just east of Kybers. The boulders were blown up with explosives in order to clear the road. At 1.30 p.m., Caltrans said the estimated time of reopening was an hour, but over an hour later, drivers reported still being stuck. Shortly after 3 p.m., Caltrans said one-way traffic control was underway as crews performed cleanup work. Turning our attention to your local weather forecast from the National Weather Service, another Pacific weather system brings periods of rain and mountain snow today into Tuesday. More impactful storms will move through Northern California Wednesday and into the weekend. That's when the strongest storms are expected. The deluge of rain and snow keep flooding a threat and will impact mountain travel. Scott Rowe, a meteorologist with the National Weather Service, says the Sacramento region could see up to three inches of rain late Wednesday and early Thursday, with wind gusts peaking at 40 miles per hour or more. According to the Sacramento Bee, the rain will blow sideways and strong winds could snap branches or topple trees, once again cutting off power in some areas. Residents should prepare for winds out of the south with this upcoming storm. Rowe says, quote, trees don't take as much wind speed to fall when the ground is saturated. If there are trees just south of your house, you should be more concerned on a south wind day. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight rain and snow showers before 10 p.m. with a low around 34 degrees. Tuesday, a slight chance of showers before 8 a.m., mostly cloudy with a high near 45. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, snow mainly before 1 a.m. with a low around 18 degrees. New snow accumulation of 1 to 3 inches is possible. Tuesday, a 20% chance of snow after 10 a.m., partly sunny with a high near 33. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight showers mainly before 10 p.m. with a low around 44 degrees. Tuesday, mostly cloudy with a high near 53. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. We close with a commentary by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. It's hard to believe that another year has come and gone, and what a year it's been. This time last year, our community was still dealing with the results of the Christmas weekend storm that buried Nevada, El Dorado, and Placer counties in snow. Snowmageddon, as many locals refer to the event, helped break a snowpack record for December that held since 1979 by nearly three feet. It did extensive damage to power equipment, leaving thousands without power for days, some for weeks. In March, a Nevada County resident was cleaning out his garage when he found an old explosive device. Thinking he was doing the right thing, he brought it to the Nevada City Police for disposal, kicking off an hours-long ordeal that involved the Placer County Explosive Ordnance Disposal Team and their remote-controlled robot. In June, we dealt with the Rice's Fire. It burned almost two weeks before it was contained. In August, we were hit with two fires just a week apart. The Pleasant and the Still fires burned 92 acres before being contained. We brought new voices to the air with our Youth News Corps, 
and we lost some of KVMR's greats, like Mikhail Graham and Che Greenwood. And of course, there was the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Our little news department covered it all with the help of some very dedicated and talented volunteers and staff members, and I'd like to take this opportunity to recognize them. Thanks to Joyce Miller and Kelly Reese for anchoring our newscasts. They truly make our newscasts sound great, gathering headlines and writing and recording our daily news roundups. And to our news intern, Julia Jem, since she joined our team, we've been able to extend our coverage to important events like the Board of Supervisors meetings, and she also helps bring your voices to our airwaves with her weekly Vocal Village segments. Thank you to Felton Pruitt. His interviews help us understand complex issues like the Idaho Maryland Mine Project, and on Fridays, he gives us a glimpse into the world of local and national musical artists. Al Stoller keeps us up to date on the latest science news. Thanks, Al. And thanks to Paul Emery, Gary Zimmerman, and water guy Steve Baker for the econ and water news. Mark Cunaberti shares his perspective on the economy every Tuesday as well. Thank you, Mark. Thanks to Shirley Frerichs and Norris Burks for their commentaries. A quick aside, we want to hear from you in 2023. Check out our commentary guidelines on our webpage and send us an email at news at kvmr.org. Thanks to Nell Ingerin for joining the team. She's been covering arts and entertainment for us. Listen to her interview with artistic director, president of Lyric Rose Theater, David Endicott-Hicks, later this week. Molly Fisk, our poet laureate, joins us every Thursday with an essay that's sure to make you think. Thanks for contributing your wit and your wisdom. And thanks to our Steve Baker. Whenever there's an emergency, Steve is always ready to go, taking to the airwaves to give you up-to-the-minute info. You can hear him every weekday morning after the BBC with his morning news updates. And thanks to our media partners as well, Ubinet.com and the Union of Grass Valley. Who knows what 2023 is going to bring, but you can be sure that the KVMR News Department will work hard to bring you the information that you need. Finally, thanks to all of you for listening, for sending us your feedback, and for supporting us with your financial contributions. From all of us here at KVMR, Happy New Year. May it be the best one yet. That's our newscast for the first Monday of 2023. Visit us online at kvmr.org and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and Dignity Health, treating patients with compassionate care and commitment while providing a range of medical expertise and a dose of human kindness. Details at dignityhealth.org slash rlocations. And Craig Johnson Plumbing, Family-owned plumbing and rooting service serving Nevada and Placer County since 2004. Providing plumbing installations and repairs, also emergency services for residential and commercial customers. Craig Johnson Plumbing at grassvalleyplumbing.com. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Join us Tuesday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.